In fact, in the first century, when during persecution, and they weren't sure if they were walking up to somebody who believed what they believed, or if they were a Christian, they kind of had a, a code that they used. They'd walk up and they'd say, Jesus is risen. And that person, if they were truly saved, would look back at them and say, he is risen indeed. And we've got a tradition at Pleasant Hill, and I'd like to do it with here. And so here it goes. I'm going to say it, and if you are a believer in Christ, if you're celebrating the resurrection today, answer back. Radiant. Jesus is risen. risen Amen. Let's say it again. More worship towards our King. Jesus is risen. risen One last one as a sweet aroma of praise. Radiant. Jesus is risen. Amen. We even have a child over here who believes that. Praise the Lord on that. You know, yesterday, normally in the past, we always kind of say, hey, we get to celebrate that we met hundreds of people and introduced them to Radiant Church and Jesus at our Easter egg hunt. And, and that's amazing. But you know what? This is the first time, not only between here, but we had one in the evening at Pleasant Hill and it was packed out as well. And I can look at you and say for the first time, we had the ability to introduce many people, Radiant, thousands of them for the first time. And so what an amazing event. If you were part of that, amazing thank you for you, uh, from us and the team for all your efforts on that. But we had full houses at both campuses and it was amazing. It was just terrific. I'm so glad that we were part of that. Yeah, lift it up. So let's dive in and let's ask an important question. What's faith? Simple enough, right? What's faith? But you know what? You walk into a room, you might get different answers from different people on that. So let's take a step back, if we could, and let's dive into this word. Not just what is faith, not in the sense of what does it mean today, but what does the Bible mean in the New Testament when we're talking about faith? And then what does that mean for you to live a resurrected faith in your life? That's what I want to learn about today. And it started in a conversation we had a couple weeks ago. We were talking about forgiveness, but we explored a verse from a man named Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. It's a verse that says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And so when we ask questions like, what's two things needed for salvation? We know right away from here, grace and faith. You need to have both those. And we talked on that week about forgiveness. And so we talked and leaned in a little bit into grace. What do we mean by grace? And we learned that grace is unmerited favor. It's not deserved It's given by God freely. It tells us that God shows mercy and love to us, not because, by the way, we're lovable. He shows us mercy and grace and love because God is God and you are not. He shows us love because God is love. So much so that even when we aren't lovable, even when we are enemies of God, he chooses to love us and show us grace. It's an amazing word. But today I want to unpack that second one. What are we talking about when we talk about faith? What does it mean to say I am a person of faith or that I have faith? And before I tackle exactly what it means, because my goal today, my hope is that when you leave, you have a good working understanding and definition of what faith is. I look to peel, unpeel some of the layers and get it stripped back to the very thing it is. But more than just you having an understanding of what faith is, I'm hoping today through an illustration of what we talk about, maybe you'll be able to explain faith to somebody else. 
When you came in, you got a worship guide, and I encourage everybody, if you're new with us today, welcome. We're so glad you're here, but uh, what we do here at Radiant Church is we'll do sermon notes on the back. There's fill-ins, and the reason we do that is a couple reasons. Number one, I find that when I write things down, I tend to remember them more. That's just kind of a basic concept for me, and so I'm encouraging you to write it down. It kind of goes into the brain a little bit more when we do that. But the more important reason is my hope is that you can take these notes throughout the week, reflect more on what we talked about today. You can even go back and listen to the sermon later at radiantonline.org and and just to ask God to reveal more about what you learned today. Sometimes you get it all at once and you need time to reflect on it. This is a tool that will allow you to go back and think further upon what is faith? Why do I believe what I believe? Now, one of the main arguments I get uh, when someone talks to me about faith, and I say that faith is required for salvation, they'll they'll immediately go, wait, 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 time out, Pastor Jason. And they'll reference a verse that I think many of us in this room probably already know. It is by far the most searched verse on the internet. Google says so. And, And if you've been doing a sporting event, you've probably seen somebody in the crowd somewhere with a poster board like that. You know what I mean? John 3.16. There's always somebody out there that's got that poster board on John 3.16. And many of us probably have John 3.16 memorized. What is John 3.16? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And what's the argument? Someone gives me, they say, Pastor Jason, you said it is grace and faith, but what it says right here is believe. Jesus invited us to believe. Isn't that different? And that's what we have to explore today, is faith and belief from a biblical standpoint different from each other. Because the first thing we have to tackle, we say, well, it's just belief, as I have to ask you, believe what? What do you believe? And for a lot of people, they'll say, well, I believe in Jesus. And I'll say, great, there's a whole bunch of historians out there that believe the same thing. That doesn't mean they think and are acting as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Just because you believe Jesus lived doesn't mean you're walking with him. The next thing is sometimes they'll peel it back even further in a culture, and that's fine. They'll just say, well, you know, really in the end, I believe that there's a God. And I think that's great. When we go diving into Scripture, what does it have to tell me? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says, you believe there's God? Good. Even the demons believe that. This is like a video game. You're like, I made it up to demon level. I'm like, great. That's like the lowest level in the game, dude. (laughs) You know, I mean, congrats. Uh, You know what I mean? (laughs) Even the demons believe there's a God. So it's got to be more than just a head exercise or an intellectual journey. And that's what we're going to discover. You're going to hear me say that several times today. It's more than just head knowledge. Because what's the point I'm trying to make here? Well, it's more than just thinking that I believe in Jesus. Faith is more than that, and so is believing. And I'll give you a a demonstration of that. Uh, For instance, what if we have an airplane, and we're outside the airplane, and we're looking at the airplane there on the tarmac, and, and you know what? I can look at you and go, you know what? I absolutely believe that airplane exists. I am intellectually convinced that that is an airplane. I believe with all my heart This is an airplane. 
but does that mean I'm getting on board? Does that mean that I trust that the people working on it and the pilot and the machinery is going to fly? Again, I can have, with all my heart, I can say, I believe that's an airplane. Does that mean I'm buying a ticket and getting on board? Two very different things. And listen, I, I know we don't always love to do this, and sometimes I do this where I say, hey, let's look at an ancient Greek word or two, but sometimes we have to because it's important, and the main reason is sometimes the ancient Greek does not translate well to the English, and sometimes those words change over time in our culture. When we go to John 3.16 and we look at that word believe, the ancient Greek word for that is pusteo. And this is where if you do personal Bible study, and I encourage all of you to do so, having a Bible dictionary is a really good thing to have hanging around. Because when we look up this word in the dictionary, what it says is it's rendered as believing or just belief. It means more than just mere acknowledgement of something as true or a mental agreement with a concept or idea. Instead, it means I place my confidence in, rely upon, and entrust within a personal relationship. That's so key, within a personal relationship. And as that definition goes on, it says, this is because pisteo is basically the verbal form of pistis. And guess what we find out pistis is in the ancient Greek? Pistis is faith. They're in the same family. In fact, they're the same word according to the ancient scriptures. Pisteo, belief, for my grammar experts out there, is the verb and pistis is the noun. In other words, I have faith. It's a thing. I exercise that faith by believing, which is the verb. The two words meant exactly the same thing, and they used them interchangeably. So the argument that, hey, it says believe in John 3.16 doesn't fly here. When Jesus was saying, for those who believe in me, he was saying, for those who are exercising in faith. In fact, it would be perfectly reasonable for me to go back to John 3.16 and say, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Why? That whoever has faith in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Two words mean the same things. They're from the same family. And therefore, belief is more than a head exercise. And the problem is, is that's the difference, is what belief meant in the first century is different than what it believes today. We talk about believing something, we think in terms of, it's, I've processed it, it's an intellectual exercise, I've come to a conclusion on something in my head, but that doesn't mean it's ever made its way to my heart. And that's the challenge in the New Testament. We talk about believing, we talk about faith, they're the same thing. So then let's break down this word faith to understand what it means. When I think about faith, I, I use an illustration sometimes in, in classes, and um, I want to kind of do it again with you today if you've been in one of those classes. But I always think in terms of faith as a three-legged stool. There are four key ingredients to faith, just like there are four main ingredients to a stool. You have the legs, and you have the seat. Why do I think in terms of a three-legged stool? Because let me ask you, if I remove one of the legs, can it stand? 
It can't. If I remove another one, definitely can't, can it? If I don't have a seat on there, could you sit on it? The point being, when we think about faith, there are four key ingredients I want you to think through today, and they all rely on each other. Just like a three-legged stool, all pieces work together. You cannot have one without the other one to have genuine faith. So let's talk a little bit today then about what that faith looks like. Biblical faith, the first leg, is what I call acknowledge. And that's that head piece we have been talking about. There is a piece of faith that you need to work through the intellectual exercise of processing. Do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe his words to be true? Do I believe he lived? Do I believe he died? Do I believe he rose from the grave? Do I believe he is the son of God? There is the intellectual exercise that's part of it. My point being is if you stop there, it's not genuine faith. It's just one piece of it, one ingredient. So there is a piece of it we have to wrestle through in our lives. Is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Did he rise from the grave? Do I absolutely acknowledge that in my head? But we can't stop there because there's a second piece to faith, and we saw it in the definition a bit ago. What is it? It's trust. There has to be trust. Another word I use sometimes is rely upon. Again, because faith is more than an exercise in the head. You got, you got to say, do I rely on God in all things? Do I trust him in all circumstances? Do I believe his promises are true? Because the Bible tells us, it tells us in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit, surrender to him and he will make your paths straight. Why is this trust thing so important? I'm guessing most of us have figured this out already in life if you've been on the journey a little while, and that's that life can and does have a tendency to throw curveballs our way. Things don't always go the way we think they're going to go. Bad news happens. Bad things happen even to good people. There are times in your life where it's going well, and then there are times in your life when for no reason, you didn't deserve it, but the bottom drops out, and you just have to deal with it. Anyone ever been in a moment like that? Yeah. And it's at those times when your core is shaken and the foundations are broken that you have to think through and rely on trust. Because here's the thing. When bad things happen, you're not always given an explanation why. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we don't know why, and you may never find out why. And it's at times like that that all you will have is this trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you will not be able to lean on your own understandings because sometimes bad things just happen. And it's at times like this that that trust that you're placing in the Lord is the same trust that tells us in the Bible that he's bringing all things together for good the, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? But when you're shaken to the core, it can be really tough. And you're going to need more than just a head exercise at that point. You're going to need a supernatural trust in the Lord in all things. What's the third leg that we need to consider? I call it action. Another word would be obedience. 
I mean, what good is it to think the right things? What good is it even if you're trusting in that moment? But your actions do not demonstrate what you truly believe. James, that half-brother of Jesus, he would go on to tell us faith without works is dead. And again, I, I can believe something, right? Like, for instance, I can have a family member or I can have a friend, someone close to me, who is walking down roads they should not be walking down. You can tell that the decisions they're making and the things they're doing are destructive to their lives, destructive to the people around them, that they are headed down dead-end roads, and there's going to be a collision at some point. This isn't going anywhere good. You can believe in your mind. It's bad. They shouldn't do that. This is terrible. But if you don't ever stop, talk to them and say, hey, you're heading down a dangerous road, and what you're doing is hurtful and harmful to people around you, what good is your thinking? What good is it if you're thinking I have all the right thoughts, but none of my actions align to it? It's like walking out in the parking lot and seeing someone being mugged and all of us looking and going, you know what? It's bad that that person's being mugged. I really, I, that's I actually believe with all my heart that's against the law. And we all get in our cars and go home. What good are my beliefs if that doesn't turn into action. That's what the Bible calls fruit. You have been changed and therefore you produce fruit in keeping with your spirit. That is why faith requires action. Otherwise, your faith is dead. And now there's a fourth piece that I want to talk to you about. I always struggled finding a better word, but I can't find a better word than this to say what it is. I absolutely believe it is, and that word is allegiance. There's a piece of your faith that forces you to ask a simple question. And hear me on this question today if you could. Is Jesus Christ your king? I didn't ask if he's your savior. That's good. That's part of it. But today I'm asking, is Jesus your king? Is he calling the shots in your life? And I get it. Someone's going to say to me, but pastor, you know, hang on just a second. You know what? Um, I was sprinkled as a child. I took some classes. In fact, I had my kids dedicated. They got sprinkled. I got married in a church. And I mean, let's face it, I, I'm actually a pretty good person, pastor. It's not like I've murdered anybody or robbed a bank or anything like that. I've got church. I need you to hear me for a second, okay? I didn't ask you if you had religion. What I'm asking you is, do you have genuine faith? Because religion will not save you. It requires a relationship. And what I asked is, is Jesus your king? In other words, is he calling the shots in your life? And do you bow down to him? And, and you know what? Two weeks ago, a guy said to me, he goes, I bow down to nobody. I'm like, then you don't have faith. Worship means bowing down. Surrender, submit, all of those are part of it. And so it's no surprise then when the same Paul who told us that it is 
grace through faith would tell us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What does Lord mean in the Bible? It means king. That's why for hundreds of years when you'd walk up to a king on earth, you would call him my Lord. That's what it means. It means king. And, and what is Paul telling us? He says, if you declare with your mouth. In other words, that thing you got in your head, it's got to get to your heart and it's got to go to your hands. Even better, it might need to come out of your mouth. It's not enough to have the head knowledge. Do you boldly declare Jesus Christ as king? That includes at work, by the way, and your neighborhood, wherever else you have a circle of influence. I know it's tough, but we need to know what faith means. He says, declare with your mouth, Jesus is my king. And then what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And lo and behold, when we go look at that word believe there, it's the same Greek word sitting in John 3.16, which means faith. Do you acknowledge Jesus? Do you trust that his promises are true? Do your actions match your word? And does he have your allegiance? Because I will tell you, whatever has your time and attention is what has your allegiance. And so I have to ask you, is that Jesus? Or is it something else? Now, I get it. We can all take a deep breath for a second, because I know some of you are thinking, uh, Pastor's kind of tough stuff today on Easter. I really just kind of wanted to come in and hear about three ways to feel really good about Easter today. <laughs> Wasn't really looking for someone to challenge my faith. Kind of want to just process through the menu that I'm about to eat in a few minutes. We talked about this before. I get it, y'all. And as Americans, we like quick, short, easy answers. It's like our fast food. Give me a number one and let me go on with my life. But faith doesn't allow that. Because the problem is what we end up saying is that I, wanna, I want belief, but I don't want obedience. I want heaven, but I don't need a king. I need forgiveness, but I refuse to forgive. And I want religion, but I have no desire for a relationship. That's not faith. It's just not. And for some of you, I don't, I don't see you but a few times a year, and so I'm just, I just got to tell you today what real faith is. It's more than just a head exercise. It's more than just saying, I believe in Jesus it's a life lived out for him, a life of acknowledging, but a life of trusting, and it's a, a life of obeying him, and it's having our full allegiance. In your fill-ins today, I, I want you to follow along with me on this. This is so important. I want you to reflect on it this week. Saving faith is surrendering your life to King Jesus. It's submitting your will and your way, bowing down to Jesus and allowing the ways of Christ to permeate your very being. When you surrender to Christ, it's not just head exercise. It's not something you do. Faith isn't just something you do. Faith is who you are. 
You are a person who has been radically changed so that you can produce fruit in keeping with his spirit. We exercise faith because it's who we are. And so he permeates our very being and therefore it transforms our life. When you encounter the risen Jesus Christ, your life will be changed. That's what, that's what Easter's all about. That's why the resurrection's so important. What it tells us is what goes in the grave comes out better the other side. That with every death, there can be a resurrection through Jesus Christ. Amen? When you encounter that Jesus, it transforms your life. And Christ's spirit comes alive in you. That's why the Bible tells us, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. The message of the gospel is Christ in us, his Holy Spirit indwelling us, living in and through us, that in everywhere we go, we shine our lights out into the dark world because Jesus lives inside of us. And let me ask, is Jesus inside of you? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Because that's salvation. That is a resurrected faith. Here in a minute, we're about to baptize some folks. And if you're one of those who's being baptized today, I want to encourage you to go ahead and make your way to where you need to go and get ready. They're in the back to help you with that. For the rest of you, I'd like to talk to you for a second. Those who are being baptized today, it's a public demonstration of an inward decision they've made to declare Jesus not only as their savior, but he is their king today. And you need to know salvation in and of itself does not save you. It's just a symbol to let the world know, our family, our friends, those around us, that we indeed have this resurrected faith in our lives. I appreciate their bravery to come forward to declare that faith, to say that I acknowledge Jesus, but I also trust him in all things, that I'm going to obey him and live it out. My, my actions are going to match my words in life and that my allegiance is to Jesus in all things. I want you to know I came from Pleasant Hill and they had just baptized 10 people. Wow. Yep. Yep. And today we have how many? Five, six? I keep getting six. Six today at the Ankeny campus. I want you to know of those 16, at least one of them is doing so today at the scorn and ridicule of their family. Another one was raised in a Muslim home. And for that reason, we had to turn the simulcast off. In the first century, many Christians lost their life getting baptized and declaring Jesus was their king. May we never forget. But it gets closer to home than that. Just this month, a man was beheaded for his faith in India. Last week, terrorists killed nine Christians in Nigeria, including the pastor. And on Friday of this week, a group of Muslims in Indonesia locked and boarded up a church 
so that they could not operate on Easter. For these folks, faith is more than a head exercise. They're living it. For these folks, they live out their faith in a world of darkness and boldly declare Jesus Christ as their Savior and King, even at the cost of losing everything. Because the cost of not knowing Jesus is worse. Your salvation depends on it, and your heaven depends on it. So, how about you? Is that the kind of faith you have? Is that the faith you're living out in the world? And listen, I'm not here to sell you Jesus today, and I don't have a sales pitch for you, okay? All I've got for you is what Jesus told people everywhere he went. He said, repent and believe. Repent means change directions. Go a different way. And that belief, the pisteo, is a resurrected faith that lives powerfully in a dark world. Do you have that resurrected faith in your life or is it something else? Is it just a head exercise Is Jesus your king? Let's pray.